Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi, this is Celine Williams hosting from Ontario for Canada's podcast. My guest today is Renee Safrata, CEO and founder of Vivo Team Development. Thank you for joining me today, Renee. It's great to be here. I just noticed that somebody outside started a chainsaw. Can you hear that? <laughs> this is this is this is real life, real time podcast recording. <laughs> it's all good. This is what happens. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. Nice we to be make- here. Great to be here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Um, we were chatting a little bit before and and what you do uh, is kind of in my wheelhouse of nerdy interests. So I'm excited about that. But more importantly, um, I'd love to know a little bit more about you and for you to share a little bit with our listeners around how you, you know, how you got to doing what you do today, how your entrepreneurial journey as it were. Mm. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Celine. I you know, I think the entrepreneurial journey is always one that ebbs and flows. So, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm a Canadian woman, made a decision after I graduated that working for somebody else wasn't that appealing to me. And I didn't really know what was, but working for myself sounded really appealing. And so I've been a solopreneur and now I'm an entrepreneur. For me, an entrepreneur means that you actually have a business and you have a team and you could actually sell that business and the team if you if you wanted not sell the team but you get what i'm talking about <laughs> yes. um, so you really have something and i think that deep mm-hmm. down in my core when i look at it along the way i always wanted to do just that i wanted to build something that somebody else wanted and that's been sort of the core to who i am and why i am and how that path has been designed over time I love that. Um, so how <laughs> I've, I have so many questions that I want to, I want to ask, but I'm, I'm going to start with how did you get to the point of running, creating, not only running, but creating Vivo team development specifically, like what were the kind of key things that came together for you in the current iteration of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot. Uh, and Where when I say start? a lot, <laughs> yeah. When I when I say a lot, I'm gonna, I'm going to say it from two different perspectives: one personally and one professionally. So personally, I have had a great opportunity in my upbringing to be influenced by an extremely entrepreneurial family. My father came to Canada from Prague. He was an entrepreneur in the 60s. He was in a home office designing projects throughout Europe. So I went to bed at night seeing him in his home office, woke up in the morning seeing him in his home office. Mm -hmm. Also had a mom that constantly said, whatever you want to do, you just have faith and you go do it. So those Those personal upbringing messages were critical to me even taking a risk. So obviously, the entrepreneurial piece is a lot of risk. Um, And from a professional perspective, I'm going to kind of answer and say, I don't know. And the reason why I say that, I don't know, is because I think that, you know, I said already, I've been a solopreneur. I've been an entrepreneur a couple of times. I'm on my fifth venture. And one venture kind of was a step 
step stepping stone to the next venture. And mm-hmm. so if you ask me when I was on the first venture of being an interior architect and designing big box retail throughout North America for customers that had locations of 10 to 110 locations and getting them figured out how to look all the same and have a great customer experience all the same. How did that get me to being a woman woman in tech leading a high touch, high tech learning and development company? I don't know, but it kind of unfolded along the way and each step led to the next step. And I think that is the beauty of being an entrepreneur too, is that you don't have to know. Uh, You know, you might just kind of throw the dart in a direction, but you're willing to take a risk and perhaps stupid risks sometimes. Uh, You know, sometimes your financial risk can look quite stupid to your peer group who are working in corporations and they've got their whatever 401k or their RSP stacking up and you're like, oh yeah, no, I traded that in and I just put it into my business. And they look at you like you're a nut bar. Or for me in the eighties, when I was working from my home office, I think a lot of my peer group thought I was watching Oprah Winfrey all day long or something, right? So there's a lot of that going on. Does that that answer your question, Celine? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially humans in general, for the record, but entrepreneurs especially are under the illusion that they need to, whatever they decide to do right now has to be the be all end all. It has to be the thing. It's, you know, you don't want to change if you don't have to. And if you're going to, you know, startups have language around pivoting, which has also got a lot of toxic uh, ramifications (laughs) these days. Um, because it implies a lack of commitment or research or whatever the case may be. I'm not saying it's the truth, but a lot of that is out there. And I think what you're saying is it's what you're doing right now. You can be successful at multiple things in your life. And what you're doing right now may open a door or lead to something that you, you're not going to be able to predict. You can't, would you have known when you started your business that, you know, you're originally as an interior architect, that this is what you would be doing? Probably not. No way. No way. And I think the other thing is, is that you know one one of the beliefs that I have about my path in life and my career achievement is that I am constantly alive. I I haven't died on the vine. Like I have a lot of friends, and you know there, I have a lot of very alive friends and corporations, but I also have um, friends and peers who died on the vine. They sold their soul to the paycheck. And they've quit and they stayed, particularly women, particularly women who have, you know, had their children, but they're kind of like, ah, oh, you know what? I hate this job, but I'm going to stay in it until I'm 65 because I'm going to get the big payout. And you're like, girlfriend, like that, that's your entire life. Like how, you know, so, so I resonate with that, like the ability as a woman, as a human being, just to say, whatever I do, I don't always need the answer. I want to remain alive. I want to be having fun. And if I'm having fun right now, and I can think of what's next to have fun with, and that's cool. And we haven't even talked about the great, amazing people that start to join your team and they all bring their aliveness to the table. And there's a little bit of, hey, I'm going to jump in your boat and you can be in the stern here for a little bit. And let's jump on your idea that you've got. And I think that that's a lot of fun as well, because you start to see people be alive in their own right. And that's exciting. That's exciting for me, right? And so I actually am in the position right now in my late 50s 
where I'm really learning how to unlearn being in the stern of the canoe. Like just let people come forward and let them resonate with the customers and say what they think is of interest, right? Just, just, just for, you know, that it's that learning, driving, unlearning and following kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to ask a question about your experience moving, transitioning into a team environment, right? From a solopreneur to running an organization that has a team and also recognizing Mm -hmm. that your business touches on team stuff. So we'll probably get into that as well. But I'm curious, what, what, two things, what worked really well and what would you, you know, suggest anyone who is transitioning into running a team or growing a team, be aware of, Mm. think about, et cetera. And also what maybe didn't work so well? What were some of the lessons? (laughs) Oh, I got lots of those. I got lots of those. I think my, my first advice is if you are a solopreneur and you want to build a team, do it before you think you can do it. Like meaning hire that number one person, hire that number two person. When you think you can't afford them, go build a great relationship with your bank manager. Be okay with going into a line of credit if you need to, so that you're using the bank's money to support the salary of the first person. But don't yeah. like take the risk, like just do it because we, in and when you're a solopreneur and you're an entrepreneur and you do everything, it's exhausting and the last thing you want to do is burn out before you even make a penny. <laughs> so I think actually, you know, that was one of my mistakes is that I did in the early days have quite some anxiety and I would hire part-time people to help me because I could afford them and I could keep that little security piece. But when it, you know, it's probably a day when somebody came to me and said, you know what, you got me part-time, but actually I could do so much more for you if I was full-time. And then I, you know, opened that up and I went, well, okay, well, what would that look like? And then that starts to cascade. I think the other thing is just to be really, really open to learning, 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 and learn your numbers, like learn the finances of your business, the numbers of your sales, like learn your numbers get to know your numbers. And and when I talk about numbers, Selena as well, learn about your personal numbers. Is your blood pressure good? <laughs> like learn those numbers too, because you have to learn about your stress, uh, your stress complex as a person, as a human being running a business. And that's important because that will start helping make you make decisions as well. I don't think I've ever had anyone advise, um, and I think it's great advice for the record, but specifically advise the importance of getting to know yourself in that way, you know, stress numbers, things like that when running and growing a team. And I think it is really important that you called that out because things change. It's a different type of stress when you're growing a team and when you're running a team and you're, you feel responsible for people and their livelihoods and their salaries and all of that. Right. I think that's a very different type of stress. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important too, as you know, we've just, all of us have been through COVID. All of us have done a lot more reflection on our lives, on our boundaries, on, you know, who are our friends and who aren't our friends and our own health and how we want to boundary our lifestyle for our own health. And if I can be a leader in an organization 
and model for the people on my team that these are the things that I think about and encourage them to think about it as well. Get healthy Mm -hmm. because we want you here for the long term. We don't look Mm -hmm. at you here for the short term. So be as healthy as you can be. And what does that look like for you? And how can we arrange things that make that work for you? For, you know, for example, we have people on our team who are moms and they don't have one kid, they have multiple kids and they're having babies. And okay, like what are our plans from the business perspective? And what are your plans from a human being and your family situation? And how can this be a vehicle for you to get the best out of your career and the best out of your health? and participate in something great. That's That excites me. That's fun stuff. And it it gets us to know each other at a deeper level than we think. And then my confidence is that those people are going to then develop the next level of leaders with those same value sets of health and wellness and great career achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. It's that trickle-down effect, right? That yeah, yeah. it's real and it's important to be aware of it as you build a team and as you build the people you're working with every single day. Yeah. You know, I want to, want to tell a story. This is kind of interesting. Um, when we were building Vivo team, we made the determination that we would have a healthy workplace and we we're still working out of our homes from Halifax, Toronto into Vancouver. And we had one major home in Vancouver where multiple people were coming to work. But we were always like, if you're coming, this is a healthy workplace because we're a lean team and we want to make sure that everybody's healthy. And pre-COVID, right, people would still show up at the door with sniffles or headaches or flus or whatever. We go, why are you here? Oh, I'm okay to work. No, we talked about this. This isn't part of our values, right? I think that the tables are turning now that people are more mindful of my health actually can have a direct and significant impact on other. And so my stress, if I don't, if I'm not aware of my stress and I don't manage my stress, that has a direct and significant impact on my team. Right. So a lot of, even with COVID, a lot of the, the, at the senior level at Vivo team, we recognize it wasn't just going out to be in a group wasn't just about our own health and wellness with COVID. It had a financial and possibly significant impact on the families that were involved in Vivo. Because if I, as a leader of the company, am out, that has a direct and significant impact on our revenue, our growth, and our ability for those people to have a job. I think a mm. lot of people still come into the office in small businesses and they don't realize the impact for the owners of the businesses. Right. I think that is unfortunately very true. And it's, and it's, yeah. uh, I appreciate you bringing, you know, bringing light to it because it's important to, to be aware of it for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. curious how, so I'm curious to know a little bit more about Vivo team. Um, hmm. Vivo Team Development. I'll say the the proper name of the company. Vivo Team's um, good. Vivo Team's okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, to know a little no, bit more Vivo about Team. <laughs> <laughs> to know a little bit more about Vivo Team, especially given you know everything that you've just shared about building a team and your lens on on mm. how a team operates. I'd love to know a little bit more about 
what Vivo Team is and how that kind of aligns or shows up there for you. Yeah. Okay, so let me come at that from a couple perspectives again. Um, essentially, what we're doing is we're we are currently creating edu- educating and entertaining virtual experiences for leaders and teams. We are measuring team productivity and effectiveness. We bring that down to a bottom line dollar. Um, it's a labor efficiency essentially. If you have your teams working more collaboratively together, you need to hire fewer next year, right? So that's it's not mm-hmm. brain surgery. Um, it's complex, but we've simplified it. And I would say that Vivo Team has come out of a number of different frustrations, a number of different learnings, and the desire to disrupt something that I saw. And those who have been involved in building Vivo Team, we aligned and we saw years ago. So 12 years ago, when we looked at learning and development for leaders and teams, we recognized that companies were at the age of 49 send somebody out for a day workshop, learn how to be a leader. (laughs) It was completely theoretical. And they were out of the office for a day, maybe even three days, maybe even a week. And then they turn around and their team was like, what'd you do with Suzanne? You know, they didn't know what what she learned, how she's coming back to the table with a different behavior and why. So we decided that we'd sit down for 18 months, 24 months, and we'd do some deep research on what would the workplace of 2020 look like. Out of that work, out of that that experience, we not only built an algorithm on soft skill of competencies, motivations, and collaboration factors, we built the algorithm to measure behavioral science and to extract for leaders the leader behavior gap and the leader effectiveness score so that they could be better leaders and that they could develop others. Basically, we want to build inspiring leaders. We were really lucky because we made the decision to choose to do everything virtual 10 years ago when we incorporated Vivo Team. We'll be 10 in November, so we're not quite 10. But we made the decision to do everything virtual and it ended up being a great decision because we had the liberty of time. We had eight years before COVID hit. We made a lot of mistakes along the way, but once we decided to deliver our programs virtually, then everything followed. Now we need to sell virtually. Now we need to operate virtually? Where are our staff going to come from? Our staff have always worked in home offices. Why? Because good people live in different places to nurture their own lives, (laughs) but they still get the job done. And so, um, and they get the job done probably quite well. So that's what, that's a little bit more about what we do and, and how we did it. And I think that the most exciting piece about that was just, again, taking the risk to set aside, do the research, and throw a dart with confidence. We call it a scientifically wild-ass guess, a swag. This is what's going to happen. We could have failed miserably. We were really lucky. And when COVID hit, we were in four countries. Uh, Four of our customers took us into 19 countries. So we have a global footprint And I think that's really allowed us to tap into a leader conversation from an action research perspective about what's going on or what's not going on, right? One thing, can I say one thing about that? And I want to say this when we're talking about health and wellness. It was one of the biggest things that I think that we're all learning is that employees right now want flexibility. Mm -hmm. And if you really look at that, the upper leaders of organizations have always had flexibility. It's just been hidden. 
they haven't talked about it. They've been on a plane. They've gone and pitched a chunk of business with a time crazy time zone. They've been up all night figuring out that presentation. They had a problem during the presentation, whatever it is, they've flown home, their kids have been sick, whatever. And they've maxed it out. Like they've done the sprint to get the job done, but then they take two days off or they, you know, just come in late the next day. It could be just come in late the next day, but they haven't told anybody that they're doing that. So it's always been hidden. So flexibility actually does exist in organizations. If top leaders and managers start to have the conversation about, look, this is how I manage my stress. I do it by flexing my accountability to getting the job done and my accountability to my family. And, and it's flexible. So if we start opening up those conversations, this whole thing that people seem to be so afraid of, which is flexibility, is not so scary. You know, really, when you ask people, what's the flexibility you want? A lot of people just say, I just want to work at home on Friday afternoon. Come on, we can do that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that's just my little, my little thought on that. But I think it's an important thought because when we don't offer, this is now, I'm going to get on a bit of a soapbox. I think when we don't acknowledge that that flexibility has existed and that it is possible uh, then people see what they think is the reality of the quote successful leaders in their organization or around them because this happens with entrepreneurs as well and they push and they push and they push because they're not seeing that balance or they're not aware of it because it's not spoken about and then you have right. lots of people who are burnt out or you know have other health problems that manifest all these different things because we're not having the conversation of what that flexibility and flexing looks like and and what it could be for people in different ways. Yeah, exactly. And then what's the systemic, what are the systemic core values that are leading to that, right? So this morning I was in a conversation with a couple of people on my team. We were talking about a particular organization where the leaders are working, being paid for eight hours a day, let's say, and working 12 hours a day. Well, give your head a shake. Look into that. The, the issue there is that the leaders don't know how to develop their next level of leaders to take mm -hmm. on the weight of the four hours. And mm -hmm. that's their job. But they just, the company hasn't made the connection to giving them the support that they can make that, you said the word pivot, in their own career achievement to be better leaders. And then that will result in them having a better life, right? So again, that's what I love it when our clients say, we have laughter in the hallways, we have laughter in the cafeteria, or we have laughter on the Zoom calls. When we hear that from our customers, and that's for some reason seems to be what we hear, it's a, a pinpoint to us that we have decreased stress by what we've mm -hmm. done. And that's exciting, right? Yeah, I like that. I hadn't, I don't think I'd ever considered it, but it is a really, it's a quantitative quote unquote and yet qualitative thing that you can observe when it comes to laughter and stress right is it's it's <laughs> exactly. it's something that i mean you could literally count and, and observe and make it qualitative in some way or quantitative in some way but it is a qualitative like oh chances are pretty good that if you're laughing more you're experiencing less stress or there's more stress relief available and you're more connected 
with your team members, with your leader, and there is permission that we can have some space to report on all of the great accountabilities that we've done this week. But we can also talk about how, you know, my 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 cat got into my crayons or something like that, right? That there's that, and you can have a big joke about that and laugh about that. And what does that mean? Well, guess what? I, I as your leader, Celine, just learned that cats are important to you. And that is important when it comes down to a performance review that I know who you are and what you're about. And I can gift you with some, I don't know, cat food or something, whatever it is, cat toys, right? Yep. Yeah. And in the way where it's not just, I think we have a a systemic approach to things where it is, you tell me about you. So you tell me what your values Mm. are, right? And values are important, please don't get me wrong. And I think it's fair to say that uh, most of our first approach to values conversations or assessments for ourselves, we look at the aspirational values, not necessarily our lived values. We're like, oh, yes, integrity is my value 100% because that sounds good as opposed to... It sounds good. Right? As opposed to like, this is actually the a priority of how I make decisions, live my life, show up every day. So we often ask leaders, you know, we often rely on people to tell us what's important. Tell me what your values are. Tell me what's important to you. And the truth is that to what you're saying, observing what people talk about, the fact that they are, you know, their cats got in their crayons, that their, you know, partner, whatever, the the amount they travel, that they're digital, whatever it is, that is, can be much more insightful than relying on someone to do a values assessment and say, integrity is my value. Exactly. Exactly. So, so this is, this is one of the things that blew me away about COVID. People went to down to lockdown. We now had, whether your company had a good Zoom protocol or Teams protocol or not, whatever it was, people got into this place of not being on video. Oh, you know, and they sidetracked. Oh, well, somebody's in my kitchen walking behind me or my kids doing their studies over there, which I have a lot of empathy for for parents, boy, oh boy, with their kids at home during COVID. But there was such an opportunity with exactly what is happening for you and I on Zoom right now. So as soon as you and I got on, I looked at what was on your bookshelf. Now, you got to remember, I'm from an interior design, interior architectural standpoint as well. So that's something that's important to me, right? But it really opens up a lot of conversations because we're starting like the flexibility conversation. Are we revealing how flexible our life is? Are, why aren't we being curious with, I noticed that you have a large rock on your bookshelf. Mm-hmm. It looks like you're reading a lot or do you crack the cover on those <laughs> books, right? But instead people went to shutting off their videos. And it was like, we have this, we're starting to open up the private self of all of us on our team. Why can't we get curious and learn more about Mm -hmm. one another? Which is, which, you know, has a direct and significant impact on collaboration, if I know what's important to you or not, right? Absolutely. For the record, I've read none of these books. They're all just styrofoam books for display. It's none of it's real. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I can get that. I can imagine that. Um, so I I want to, um, I'm going to ask this. 
is there so is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you do want to bring up or something that you want to emphasize in our conversation something that i want to emphasize oh well aliveness is what mm. i would emphasize so whether you're you know whether you're working in a company and you're feeling that you're a little bit dead or you're in a family or a relationship where you're feeling a little bit dead or you are a startup entrepreneur and it isn't the choice that you thought it was going to be change it like take a risk choose to be alive instead of dead that's what i would say choose aliveness so i'd focus on that um the other thing that i would focus on is i think this whole idea of how covid has given us the opportunity to shift our paradigms and so there are a lot of companies right now that are going back into sort of this hybrid or you know go back to the office and some aren't in the office that kind of thing and my fear is that they're going to lose all the goodness that the shift in paradigm of being in lockdown and being online has really offered us. And so why not, you know, I, again, I'm re we are really lucky at Vivo team. We had eight years to figure this out and we took our time to figure it out and we made mistakes. I realized that people were pushed into that paradigm shift and they didn't have the liberty of time that we had to get to get it figured out. But if people just actually step back and say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to push back on this whole virtual and hybrid workplaces and people working at home and having more flexibility and all those things, but we actually embrace what that can look like for our organization, I think the paradigm shifting allows us to widen our portfolio of mm -hmm. how we do our professional and our personal life. So that would be my message to really look a little bit deeper, turn on your cameras, have conversations, um, look at your efficiencies. Because what I know about Vivo Team, we are one of the most highly efficient organizations because we have the structures in place and we just, you know, meeting start on time, meeting ends on time. We've got the structures in place to share documents. Like there's all sorts of technology that's really going to continue to help. And it's just going to get better. But if you put your feet in the cement and say, no, I like it the old way. Yeah, you're dying on the vine. So there's an aliveness in technology. That's what I'm going to say. I love that. And I think it is incredibly important, especially in moments like right now where there are a lot of leaders and organizations and small companies, it's not just big companies, and individuals who are like, how do I get back to doing things the way they were before? And they're really mm -hmm. stuck on, let's get back to the way it was before, mm -hmm. as opposed to exactly what you're saying, which is what can we learn to make things better overall? Do we, does it have, do we really like it that way? Do we really like it that way? So I love what you're mm -hmm. saying, because I think it's very poignant in this moment. And thank you for, for sharing that. Great. Thanks, Um Absolutely. And of course, thank you for being my guest. It has been wonderful to get to chat with you <laughs> and to get to know you a bit today. Um, you, uh, Vivo team, your LinkedIn will be in the show notes for everyone to connect with you. Uh, but definitely please Great. check out Renee. Yeah, she is amazing. The work yeah. she's doing is incredible. So, to, so check her out. Um, and for everyone listening, thanks for listening to Canada's podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to all our channels. 
to get the latest podcasts from entrepreneurs across Canada.